Okay, so now in the, in the second half, I'm going to begin by exploring a different aspect of wise view, and then we'll also have a chance to talk again among ourselves. As you may be guessing, part of, the, part of what we're doing in this program is creating some community among all of us so that we have friends on the path who are going through similar things. So Susan talked about the Four Noble Truths as the kind of fundamental wise view that we bring to our lives, how we frame what we're doing in terms of suffering and the end of suffering and understanding uh, the ways in which it's created and the ways in which it can end. So I want to talk about a particular aspect of wise view that has to do with cause and effect. Essentially, the Four Noble Truths are saying that cause and effect is true. There's suffering and it has a cause. And there's happiness and it has a cause. There's also an escape from suffering. That's the uniqueness of the Four Noble Truths. But there's a way to live and develop our mind that has the effect of reducing suffering. So, taking into account the the view of these wise, noble truths, we would understand that there is cause and effect, that there are actions and they have consequences, that the things that we do matter. I hope the things that we do matter, otherwise there would be no way to walk the path. So we can even go all the way to transforming our mind such that it's free of suffering. But this practical aspect of understanding that there's cause and effect, that actions have results, is very a practical way to live our lives. So I want to talk a little bit about that. So we understand that actions have consequences and that we have some ability to choose our actions. This in itself is a view that we bring to the world. We bring the view, what I do matters. There are people who believe that nothing they do really matters. This is a very depressed way to be. Or they believe that everything is about them or something. We often have these frameworks. And so the encouragement is to have a framework of my actions are what bring results and I have some ability to choose. Once we accept this, then we enter the path of acting and living in ways that bring happiness and reduce suffering. And actually this is, I would venture to say that this is what the human heart deeply wants, is to find happiness, ultimately freedom, peace, however we frame it. But many people may not know how to do that, and so they're choosing actions that are not moving them in that direction. Do we know people like this? Have we sometimes been that person? We want to be happy, but the way we're acting is not leading that way. And so we're very fortunate, actually, to have these teachings that give us steps of the path, ways of understanding and seeing things, where we can take actions that will lead us away from suffering. So let's look at this idea of cause and effect. It's also called kama, or karma. You may have heard that word, it expresses the lawfulness of how things go in life. Skillful actions bring happiness, and unskillful actions bring harm or suffering. More deeply, though, 
especially when we start to meditate and see what's going on in our mind, we see that the mind is the real cause. And so we could maybe modify this a little bit to say actions that are motivated by or done under the influence of greed, hatred, and delusion will lead to suffering. And actions that are motivated by or done under the influence of generosity or letting go, loving kindness or compassion will lead away from suffering, lead to happiness. This is expressed um, beautifully in the first two stanzas of a text called the Dhammapada. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a corrupted mind, and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. This is not some kind of injunction or commandment. Uh, We don't make effort to have a peaceful mind and to act with good motivations out of needing to please somebody or some higher being or for any external reason. We do this for the very simple reason that it brings happiness. And it's actually very concrete. You know, this is not... Not really abstract stuff. We can find examples all over our life. So I wanted to share some examples. Back when I had a job where I worked in an office, I would respond to the pressure of having many work duties, basically by working harder. I would tighten up and push myself to finish just one more reading task or just a few more emails before I would allow myself, quote-unquote, to have some kind of a break. Um, And I thought that having one additional accomplishment that I had done would then somehow make the break time feel more satisfying or somehow be more justified in some way. I think I don't think I thought that consciously, but that was somehow going in the back of my mind when I was pushing myself. But over time, I became more stressed, less satisfied, um, and there were certainly effects on my physical being and my mental being. And at first, I thought these were the result of the work duties, or if I were kind of thinking more um, philosophically, I might have thought that they were the fault of Western capitalist society (laughs) for requiring that people work really hard. So without without denying that these external factors are real, um, I can say now that I know that my actions were certainly the most immediate contributor to my stress. So I was the one pushing myself, believing that that was the best way to respond to my duties. So wise understanding shows that my actions were leading to suffering, (laughs) certainly for me, and uh, probably for my coworkers too, (laughs) in terms of, I mean, it wasn't that extreme, but, you know, probably I was a little bit less patient. You know, and so if we look at those qualities I named earlier about, you know, how we're motivated, 
I don't. I don't think I've analyzed this finely enough to know if the cause of that was greed, hatred, or delusion. It could have been any of them. You know, greed for finishing those all the tasks on my list. Um, aversion to the possibility that I might be seen as not getting all my work done. Aversion to that. And then the you know the delusion that somehow that said something about me. Um, and if you look at the more positive ones, such as generosity, loving kindness, and compassion, I don't see a lot of those there in an attitude of pushing. So, you know, so we can look at very specific examples in our life. This is a, also very related to the what you just talked about. Uh, this is something that was somewhat painful, but I made it worse by the way I acted. And the result is clear, right? We act in this way, and there are certain results. But there are also um, very concrete examples that are about the development of the mind or the de- and the development of happiness. So I'm also thinking of an example in the change that I've undergone in becoming a volunteer at a hospital. So this is similar to the work that Susan does, actually. I've done this as a volunteer. I first volunteered about 10 years ago um, at a children's hospital. And mostly what I did was I rolled around a cart with books and movies, and I helped the kids uh, check things out. It wasn't a lot of responsibility, but I, I did have to overcome some fear about walking into a room where I didn't know what was going to be on the other side of the door. So I, you know, I felt some concern about that. And then later, some years later, I took the Sati Center chaplaincy training program, which put me in the role of being a spiritual caregiver. So then, when I was visiting the hospital rooms, I was having conversations with people about their values, about maybe about their view, how, how are they organizing their life, and what's most important to them. And I still have to open doors where I have no idea what's on the other side. Um, it's a, but it's a little more responsibility. But now I find I don't feel any fear about that. Uh, just through that process through the, we can reflect, how did that come about? Well, over time, I developed a skill of being present and compassionate in the circumstances that exist in a hospital, which include exposure to a lot of suffering. It didn't come about randomly, and it didn't come about because I was born that way, because I didn't start out being very comfortable with that. So no excuses of saying, oh, I'm just not good at that. I could never do that. Uh, came about because I've developed mindfulness, equanimity, compassion, courage, confidence over time. Not because I went to classes on each of those necessarily, um, but because this is the fruit of practice, the mindfulness practice. These are some of the spiritual qualities that arise from walking the path. This is good. (laughs) If we are doing the practice, things like this will come about over time. There's even a a teaching of the Buddha that says, um, just like the dawn is the forerunner of the rising of the sun, so the development of various qualities is the forerunner of the arising of the path and the arising of wisdom. So... I, I take that analogy to point to the inevitability of what we're developing, you know, like the, the brightness of the sky that starts, the pretty pink colors. The sun has to come after that. And so we 
embark on wise view today and wise intention next month. And things have to come from that. This is this cause and effect. And living our lives with that understanding can give us actually a lot of confidence and a lot of courage knowing that the choices we're making as often as we can we make those choices in the direction of leading away from suffering and it's going to bear fruit over time we don't know when but our actions do matter so we can choose ways of being and practicing that lead to our own happiness and benefit and the happiness and benefit of others So these are different faces of this quality of wise view, of understanding that moment by moment we're making choices that are helping us to move toward or away from suffering. And so we aim ourselves in the direction that we can. And when we don't, which inevitably we don't, then there's the remembering of the love and the compassion that we're, you know, we're just practicing why they call it practice, you know. We're just practicing. So that's our moment-to-moment choices. And then that happens within this large frame that Susan talked about of our understanding of suffering and the end of suffering and our overall view that we're transforming our heart in the most beautiful way possible. So wise view can sometimes seem like it's something kind of abstract. Why does the path start with views? Is that is that what we have to believe in order to be Buddhists? I don't think so. I've, I don't think um, I don't think there's much that you have to believe. Uh, we can really observe observe for ourselves that things lead toward or away from suffering, and. That's what we're going to be observing and practicing with together over this time, framed by this understanding that we're moving away from suffering and toward the freedom that the Buddha first demonstrated for us. So now we're, we're going to move straight into a, a breakout session uh, where we'll have a chance to give some examples of our own life, from our own life, of cause and effect And then after that, we're going to have a chance for both comments from that and any questions you have about the path factor for this month. So I think I'd like to just keep the momentum going, and we'll uh, we'll move into the breakout groups. So since groups of three worked before, shall we do that again? Yeah. You can find a different group, maybe. Uh, 